Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Father God, we pray this morning by your word and by your spirit that you would be directing our our hearts, our affections, our love towards you, towards Christ, that you would be directing our, our minds, our hearts, our affections, our loves away from this world and away from ourselves, that we would instead look to you and that we would, after we have seen you, look to our neighbors in love. God, we pray that as you promised to do, change us through your word. We pray that that would happen this morning. It's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. All right, God's words for God's people. This is our series in the Ten Commandments. And as we've been going through, just to give you a couple of reminders, last week our big idea was this. In Jesus, you do not need to uselessly speak God's name. In Jesus, you do not uselessly need to speak God's name. In fact, he is for you. And as we've been going through, uh, there's been a bit of a theme. What it is that we, when we read these Ten Commandments, these ten words from God, what it is that we should be seeing come out of them. Uh, God, through these Ten Commandments, is calling us to Himself. He's calling us to our neighbor, and He's calling us to see our need for a Redeemer. And then as we go into this morning, we're going to be going into the fourth commandment, and here's our big idea. Jesus is your salvation and your Sabbath. Rest in and rely upon Him. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, this will be because this is now the third time that I've used this big idea. We used it back in 2016 when we were talking about what our future looks like in the presence of God forever. We used it in the Gospel of Mark. I forget what week, but we're going to go back to a story that we saw in the Gospel of Mark this week as well. You'll also remember that as we went through commandment number one, two, and three, it was all framed by God telling His people, I am the Lord your God. He's declaring Himself for them. I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of the house of slavery in Egypt. And for each of us, what these Ten Commandments are, and for God's first people what they were, is not just the the product of being rescued from slavery, but the reminder of how to live free in a world that so easily enslaves you. You've been set free, now live free freely. And so oftentimes when we read the Ten Commandments, we see the negative thing that's being said. So for instance, you shall have no other gods before me. Do not make idols for your worship. Do not use God's name loosely. And yet with each of these commands comes a positive command as well. So for instance, God has made you his. This is a a positive command. Jesus is the perfect image of God. You don't need to make any other images. 
You do not use God's name loosely, but instead you call upon it often, knowing that He is the one that rescues you and saves you. This week, you could almost say the fourth commandment like this, do not turn away from God's good gifts to you. So if we were to go through the entire Bible, we would see this idea of Sabbath strung throughout it, woven in throughout the entire entirety of Scripture. Now we all know the story of creation and what happens. God worked six days in creation, and then on the seventh day, what did He do? He rested. And then we, we get here uh, to where we've been reading in Exodus, and we see that God is going to give this command to His people. Don't forget the Sabbath. Don't forsake it. Don't turn away from it. Keep it set apart. Keep it holy. We see that throughout all of the books where God is expounding upon His law, saying what it means. In Deuteronomy, though, it's interesting that as God's people are preparing to go into the land that God is providing for them, that He doesn't just say, you remember the Sabbath and your household, but all of your servants, right? It's this expectation that when you get into the land, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to be prosperous. And everyone's going to have to remember the Sabbath. You're, in fact, going to be my representatives in remembering this Sabbath, this time of rest, this day of rest. We could go through um, all the prophets. And in almost all the prophets, we see God speaking to His people saying, you are horrible. (laughs) You're doing horrible things to one another. You're doing horrible things to your neighbor. And by the way, worst of all, You forgot the Sabbath. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We see in the first five books of of our Bibles that you could be put to death for this, for forsaking it. And in fact, this is what the Pharisees wanted to do to Jesus. You might remember in Mark chapter 2, end of chapter 2, beginning chapter 3, the Pharisees, they're all conspiring against Christ. And they're saying... We've got nothing that's going to stick on this guy. Let's just find some low-hanging fruit here. And Jesus' disciples are walking through a field, and they start picking some grain, and they start grinding it down so they can eat the pieces of grain. And what do the Pharisees say? Ah! Your disciples, those people that follow you, break the Sabbath. Therefore, you must be a Sabbath breaker as well. And Jesus says, well, not yet, but I am going to heal this man. Boom! And then they say, ha, you are a Sabbath breaker. But of course, Jesus goes back through and retells them the story of David and how when in need, he was able to partake of this holy bread on a holy day. And he goes back through and says, no, doing good for your neighbor actually trumps some things on the Sabbath. So he goes back and teaches the law teachers what the law actually means. And when we were in Mark chapter 2, this is what we said. God has made time for you to practice resting in Christ. God has made time for you to practice resting in Christ. He has not made, you, made a time for you to rest from doing good. 
He's given you time to rest in Christ, but He has not given you time to rest in doing good. So as we go forward today, I'm going to turn over to Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to read for us from there, starting in verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right. There we are. There's our commandment for today. We could ask ourselves four questions as we try to figure out what's going on here. Because as we talked about at the beginning of this series, these, these laws, are they for us? Well, yes and no. They are, but they're not. They're not exactly for us, but they are. How? Right? So, if we were to look at this, and look at this commandment very strictly, I think that there's a balance that we need to take with it. Okay? On one side of the balance would be to say... Um, that Sunday is our day of rest, and we're not going to do anything to touch it. That's one side that we could take. Or we could, we could teeter over to the other side, and if we go over to the other side, what we would see there is, no, 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 no. There is no law that binds us anymore. We don't have to get together on any particular day of the week, and therefore, I'm just going to sit at home. I'm going to sit at home, I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to be my own independent Christian, and I don't need to go and gather with God's people on any particular day of the week. But this, for us, is somewhere in between those two imbalances. If we were to right now say, as some do, well, you know what? Sunday is the day of the week. You shall not work. You shall not do anything. I think that we would be undercutting the freedom that we have in Christ. And if we were to go to the other side, well, we would just be undercutting Christ and His body and what He is building up in His church. So this is not what we want to do. If we were to say, you know what, Christians, most Christians do it kind of right, they meet on Sundays, we're going to go back to the original Sabbath, and we're only going to meet on Saturdays, which we all know some people that do this. This would be imbalanced on this side of it. This would be adding law to the good news of Jesus' death for us. 
But then we could, as we know, a lot of people as well who say, I'm kind of done with church. I've been hurt there a lot, which is true. It's rightful to say that. It's usually rightful to feel hurt and to not want to come back. And yet, if this is where you're constantly going to rest yourself, outside of Christ's body, then what you're saying is, not only am I, am I going to add law to Christ, but I'm actually going to make Christ's death for me worthless. So as we look at this commandment, we want to ask ourselves a couple of questions. What does this commandment forbid? What does it say don't do? What does this commandment require of us? We've already said what this commandment says. And then lastly, what in the world does this have to do with Jesus? So what does this commandment forbid? Although I usually like to start with the negative like this, I think it's actually going to be easier if we jump forward and we say, what does this commandment encourage us toward? Well, one of the purpose for a day of rest is to reset our minds and our hearts on God and His good gifts given to us. This was the case for God's first people, Israel, and it's the case for us here and now, except for we see it through the lens of Jesus for us. And so it is good to have a day of rest and to set aside time. We could look at Colossians. Let the word of, God, of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. But when should we do that? Well, in Acts chapter 2, we read this. And they, that is the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Elsewhere we read that it was now on Sunday that the church started to meet together because this was the day that Christ rose from the dead. And so the Sabbath switched days. And we could also look to Hebrews chapter 10, actually multiple places in Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter 10 reads as such, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day, that is the judgment day, draws near. Here we have an encouragement from the writer of Hebrews not to stop meeting together. When did the church meet together? Usually on Sundays although they met together throughout the week as well. And what did they do when they were together? They sung hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. They admonished one another and taught one another with the Word. They held fast to the apostles' teaching, and they held fast to their confession of faith. That is, that Christ 
is Savior. And so what does God require of us in this commandment? He does still require something of us. He requires that we be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, for some, that does seem like a prison sentence. Honestly, some weeks it feels like, no, it doesn't feel like a prison sentence. It can feel, for some people, like a prison sentence. Oh, I've got to be trapped to this one place, this one day of the week, with the same old group of people that I see each and every week. And yet that repetition we see in Scripture is there for your growth and for my growth and for our benefit, for the upbuilding of the entire church body. And even though, yes, it is something that is required of us, it is required of us because each and every week we need to come here and hear the good news. We need to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus preached. We need to hear it read in His Word. We need to sing it to one another. We need to gather around and eat this bread and drink that juice. Then we need to join together at that table back there and have some coffee and tea together and encourage one another. Because each and every week, we come out of a world that says hurry. Or... Here's another dichotomy, some, some imbalance. We come out of a world that says, hurry, work, work, do this, do this, do this. Or we come out of a world that says, take it easy. Take it easy. Everything's going to be fine. Have a rest this week. You deserve it. Live the life that you've always wanted to live. Live that best life now. Take a break. You deserve this. You know, we read in Proverbs uh, many things about rest. None of them are good. <laughs> we, we read about how when you're sleeping, someone can come and kill you. <laughs> we read about when you're sleeping and you just, I just can't get up. All of a sudden you look around and this place that you've built up around yourself is falling to pieces. And in the Proverbs, this word poverty comes up a lot. And yes, it does mean lack of money, but in the Proverbs, that word is deeper than this as well. Uh, when we're using the word poverty or poorness in the Proverbs, it's not just simply not having money. Because we all know that there are many people that work very, very hard and diligently and usually seven days a week and still don't have any money and it's not because they're spending it on a, on a yacht, okay? What we're talking about here in the Proverbs when we read about poverty is, yes, lack of money, but it's lack of security. It's usually also leading to a lack of life. It's leading to death. Back in 2016, when we used this big idea originally, we were talking about what our futures look like, what we should expect to be doing in the presence of the Lord forever. And it doesn't just mean singing and everyone has to learn how to play a brass instrument or something like this, right? There were things, and we picked three just 
just for fun, that were there in the beginning when God created the world. The first of that was rest in the presence of the Lord. But it wasn't all leisure. It wasn't just sitting in the garden on a chair. Um, well, I'm not going to describe. You know, you know what was up with Adam and Eve, okay? Uh, <laughs> it was also work. God had given them work to do, and that work was good. And here was the beautiful thing about that work, though. That work was never in vain. It wasn't as we read in the curse that's going to take place and is going to be given to Adam and Eve for Adam's sin. It was, it was toil, right? That's what happened when the curse came upon us. Before that, work was good. What you wanted to get done got done. What needed to get done got done. The first time you did a job, the job got finished. I can't tell you how many times. Now, it was all fun and games when I used to work maintenance in apartments and in flats. Okay, I, I helped take care of, I don't know, like 60 or 70 flats. And it was all fun and games because none of it was mine. I could go in and I could paint. I could go in and fix the pipe. And if the pipe leaks again, well, I'll just come back tomorrow. Not my pipe, right? But now that I have to take care of a home, when a job doesn't get done the first time, it's infuriating, right? What do you mean that pipe's leaking again? Tara calls me. Hey, Wade, ooh, hate to tell you, that pipe might be leaking again. What do you mean it might be leaking? Okay, there's water coming out from under the... Okay, all right, all right. It's leaking again. The job doesn't get done. And then you know the last thing, which is my favorite thing, food. Right? Food was in the garden, and it was good. And it, you didn't have to toil for it. It produced... And in that, in all of that, you knew that at the end of the week, you could sit down with God, as it were, and rest in His presence. One theologian says it this way, that um, it's okay to go to sleep tonight because you know that Christ is awake and that He is for you. It's okay to go to sleep tonight because you know that Christ is awake and He is for you. So what does this commandment forbid then? What does it forbid? Well, I think this commandment does forbid a couple of things to us. One, that we would take our lives into our own hands and say one day that toil I'm going to push it back to the gates of hell. You're not going to be able to do that. Each and every day, your work will remain unfinished. Each and every day, there will be another, another bill that comes, another invoice that arrives, and your work will not be finished. And yet, you need rest. Now, if we're going to talk about rest, I don't just mean sleeping. Because as we learned about from the Proverbs, although sleep is a necessity, death can come upon you while sleeping. <laughs> One of my favorite, okay, sorry, I'm going to go on a rabbit trail. One of my favorite stories about this is this old, old story called Beowulf. And it's about these old knights and they're, um, they're living in this kingdom and they've got everything under control. All right, And then as time passes and generations pass on, there's a monster 
that arises. And this monster is stronger than everyone else because now they've been living in their rest. They've been living in the luxury of a land that they have cultivated where the land produces and everything's going well for them. And then one night, this monster creeps in and murders everyone in their sleep. And their drunkenness, actually. <laughs> but, later on in the story, you see another, another warrior come. His name's Beowulf. And Beowulf comes and he whips everyone up into shape, him and his soldiers, and they fight back these beasts. And eventually he, well, no, I won't give away the end. I won't give away the end. You've got to read it for yourself. What else does this forbid for us? This does forbid us to ignore the rest given to us in Christ. This means if you feel like you're too busy to be in church, look, some weeks I feel like I'm so busy preparing for church, I'm too busy to be in church, okay? If you're too busy to be in church amongst God's people, though, then you're too busy. Now, I know there are many people that have to work on a Sunday, and this is why we're not tied down to any particular day of the week. If we wanted to have church on a Tuesday, we could have church on a Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, doesn't matter. We could do it then. And maybe one day, as we grow, and as people are working on Sundays, we will do that. The beauty of it is we're not tied down to Sunday. And yet, this is also the scary thing in this command. Because we're not strictly bound to this in the way that it's worded here, it's easy for us to do one of two things, right? To make more law for ourselves or to ignore the law altogether. And that is not what we want to do. We do not want to ignore the rest that is given to us in Christ. And what does this have to do with Jesus? One long-gone theologian said it this way, God, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in You. See, we're going to go through our lives constantly in this imbalance of saying no Sundays man I'm setting all of Sunday aside now and I'm not going to do anything else and then Monday's going to come you're going to be totally unprepared and then you're going to say no 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 I'm going to do some work on Sunday just to prepare for Monday right and you're going to be constantly battling to make time for the good gifts that Christ has given to you in his body the church in his word and in the good gifts that we're going to partake of here in just a couple of minutes. See, our hearts are constantly restless. And we're constantly seeking some kind of rest. For some of us, that's going to be in a code of conduct that we make for ourselves. And then for some of us, we're going to say, no, I'm going to find my own rest. I'm going to get Netflix and Showmax and I'm going to get a good package on my phone so that I can be on Instagram all day long, right? When we are actually called to something else, we're called to find our rest in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4, 
we read this. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear, lest anyone should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundations of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest, For the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Specifically, what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here is a group of people that have turned away from the good news of Jesus. They know everything. They know the history. They've heard the storyline. They know exactly where Jesus fits in And they know that good news and rest, salvation and Sabbath are being offered to them. And they turn away from it. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these people is, stop working for it. You're never going to get it. There's always going to be another invoice. There's always going to be another law that you cannot abide by. There's going to be another law that you cannot obey. Because these things were here, these words were put here so that God could call us to Himself, so that He could call us to our neighbor, and so that He could tell us that we have a Redeemer in His Son Jesus. And in that Redeemer is salvation and rest for you. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us that we should rest in and rely upon Jesus for those things. Let me pray for us. Father God, we know that You have made us for Yourself, Lord. And we know all too well that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in You. God, I pray that each and every time that we come together as a church family, whether it's here on a Sunday, in a Bible study, in a ladies' group, men's group, Wednesday nights, whatever the case may be, that You would use these, use these good gifts that You have given to us 
to raise us up in your good news, that you would teach us what it is and what it means, that you would constantly remind us to put aside our work and instead rest in and rely upon Jesus' work. And Lord, we would also ask that as we go into the rest of today and to the rest of this week, that you would push us towards resting not only from laboring for our own rest and our own salvation, but you would cause us to rest from our evil ways. That your Holy Spirit would be working in and through us. And so that even in the here and now, we would begin to see little glimpses of that, that eternal Sabbath, that, that eternal, restful life with God that you have given to us in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.